Well, welcome to the Agile Canada Insider Podcast. We have another episode here today with three special guests. My name is Heather, and I'd like to go around the table and introduce who I have with me here today. My name is Anita Odondi. I'm the Emergency Program Director. And I'm Steve Matthews, and I'm the Executive Director for Agile Canada. And here beside me is someone who normally is behind the camera safely and always pushing me in front of the camera. I'll let him introduce himself. Yes, my name is Frank uh, Spangler, and uh, I am the media specialist at ADRA Canada. And uh, I guess as I think about it, it's my first time in front of the camera. Yeah, in front. I'm usually behind. It's your first time all these 30 years? I think, well, maybe once or twice before I was on He manages. It's an honor to sit with you. <laughs> yes, indeed. So Kenya, we have several different Azure projects going on there now, but I believe we've been operating there for quite some time. Yes, I remember the first time that I went was, oh, maybe 94 or so, but I also remember fundraising in Canada for a project that was being run, conducted by a doctor from Canada, Dr. Ken Hill, who was running a program there for disabled children. Mm. And uh, that was the beginning project, I think. And uh, But over the years, I've visited many times uh, to, to document many projects that ADRA Canada has been running there. So. so what are some of the projects we have going on in Kenya now? Who are the people we're working with in Kenya right now? Well, you know, it's interesting. When we went there last fall... Um, who should meet me at the airport but James Asselford, oh, yes. who a lot of our viewers will know as being the executive director of ADRA Canada uh, not too long ago. And everybody thought that he had retired, but he pops up again here in ADRA Kenya as the country director. And uh, it's really a good place for him, I think. He grew up in that uh, country as a young boy and knows the people, the culture, the language. I think he'll do very well there as he comes back from retirement. He's home. Yes. It's home, yeah. You know, it's interesting. I've talked to many people who say, you know, the work of Adra, once you get there, it, it's addictive. It becomes part of you. And I think when I, when I see James, I mean, he did retire. And shortly after he retired, he realized, no, I'm not ready yet. So he came back. Uh, I guess he, he's got the bug of working for Adra as well over the years. Did you warn your wife? <laughs> no. <laughs> So let's start talking about some of the work that we're doing in Kenya. Um, I know one region is called Mandera West. What's it like up there? And, and what's the situation of the people that we're working with? Mandera is a semi-desert area. It's uh, very sandy. There are really no roads. When you're driving through mm. the community, mm. you make your own road. It's all sand. Like a typical semi-desert, it's small bushes um, around and lots of camels and cattle. Mm-hmm. That's what the people have for their food as well as for their livelihood. Mm-hmm. And when I started with Adra Canada in 2013, a project had been ongoing since 2009 that had started as a food assistance project because in in such an environment, it's either too dry or too wet when when the rains fall Mm -hmm. although the dryness goes for maybe eight to nine months of no rain and sometimes a whole year without any rain so at that time we were providing food through the canadian food grains bank and um, after um, two three years of just providing food started to teach them how to grow vegetables Mm -hmm. that could survive long dry periods 
and started teaching them how to conserve water as much as possible so that they can use for the vegetables and use the manure from the animals to fertilize the vegetables. Mm. And I remember people were testifying that they had never eaten kale, which is the the local vegetable that we have in, in Kenya. They had never eaten that because they thought it was for the people that lived in Nairobi. And uh, for them, it was milk and meat. And they were very, very pleased by this. They started selling as awareness grew. And women were making income for the very first time in their mm. lives selling this vegetable, which was a rare commodity. And it has since grown to teaching them how to take care of their animals better, how to conserve water even more. Mm-hmm. And uh, now it is such a success story, one of our most successful stories. When you go there now and you see the portions of land that have been fenced with grass in them. Mm-hmm. It's a miracle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's a blessing. And with the, the fenced areas, we've taught them how to make fodder, so mm. basically to, to make hay bales. Mm-hmm. They make a wooden box and they pack the hay into that. And so that's how they are able to, to save food. Because when it rains there, it gets very green. I was shocked while we were there. They told me that it had started raining eight days before. Mm-hmm. And everything was lush and green and i'm looking and thinking like this field looks like such a fertile place but once the rain goes everything dries up again so they're able to to take that make fodder out of it but it was interesting because we went to mandara to uh, to document the drought yes Uh-oh. and uh, <laughs> been going on for eight months eight months yes wow. no rain yes. so so we had our tickets booked we flew over and it's funny, just before we left from Canada, we hear that Frank's uh, saying, it, it's raining a lot here. <laughs> yes. yeah. Then when we, when we get to Nairobi, he's like, I don't know if you guys should actually come up here. It's mm-hmm. so bad. And uh, so maybe, yeah, Frank, if you want to tell your experience yeah, there. Exactly. The whole reason why we went was to go and document the drought. Mm-hmm. I had never been into the Mandera before, and so... Other people had gone, Anita, you had gone, and Sharmila had gone, mm-hmm. and so we had a lot of still shots, but we didn't have any video to tell a video story about, like you say, one of the most successful projects. So yeah. the idea of my coming on this trip was to go in and get some really good video of the horrible drought. But uh, about a week before I was to fly in, we were getting messages, you probably won't be able to go. The community is cut off because of a huge flood. <laughs> wow. Unbelievable. Not only was it raining there, but it was raining further up the river, the, mm-hmm. the seasonal river that comes by mm-hmm. the Adra office there, uh, from Ethiopia even. It was really raining heavy up there, and that water was just coming all the way down and had flooded the whole area. They said that the water was almost up to where the airstrip was. <laughs> Wow. And, and they, the airstrip's on the opposite side of where the town is. Yes, with no road. Or, well, there's a road, it's but a no dirt, bridge. And it's a dirt airstrip, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yes. And wow. so yeah. They, they thought we probably wouldn't be able to fly in. But then two days before, they said the, the water has receded, and uh, it looks like the plane is going to go. If you want to go, come. Mm-hmm. But you're going to have to cross over a river in a barrel. 
In the barrel? Well, it wasn't clear whether it was I was going to be inside the barrel, <laughs> like I was going over Niagara Falls yeah. or something, or on top of the barrel, you know, yeah. riding on top. Either way, it, was, it sounded exciting. Yes. Well, or something. <laughs> you know, I don't mind getting wet. I know how to swim, but my camera doesn't know yeah, how to swim. Yeah. And so I wasn't very sure about going in, and yet we, we were really looking forward to getting these shots of this community and documenting this story. So... When the plane decided to go, I said, okay, I'll go. And we were able to land fine, and the water had receded. But as we walked away from the airstrip, the plane took off. And I knew there wasn't going to be another plane for yeah. three days. And so we were stuck there. There was no facilities at the airstrip. There's no airport or town or anything. It's, it's just a bush. Yep. And uh, so I knew I had to cross that river. And as I got closer to it... I could see people coming this way, struggling. I think they were late to catch the plane. I, I saw this lady fall into the water at a very swift flowing area. And I thought, boy, I don't want to do that with my camera bag. <laughs> but there was no choice by then. I had mm -hmm. to go. And so I wrapped up as much of my equipment in plastic bags as I could. And I had two strong men on both arms taking <laughs> me. We waded into the water. It came up to almost waist deep. Wow. Uh, for about 500 meters, I would say, that I had to walk. Till I came to an, uh, a small island where there was a power line, a power post sticking up out of the, the island. And I thought, you know, what if this post falls down on everybody that's in the water? Oh. Uh, but I clambered up into that island and I thought, I better get some shots of this. Mm -hmm. So I unwrapped my phone from... The plastic bag and started taking shots but as I was doing it my hands were shaking like this I, I really was I, I, the young people today say I really got shook <laughs> and uh, by the time that I had gotten there I guess within the two or three days they had saw that there was a an, enough of a need for crossing this river that they had put a number of barrels together and made a barrel raft mm -hmm. so I didn't have to cross over in a barrel, in a barrel. <laughs> or Thankfully, on a barrel yes. I was actually able to sit on a raft which I was very thankful for mm -hmm. and uh, as I was approaching the shore I saw all of these people and I thought well maybe they're just there because you know this dramatic flood is happening and they want to see it. I found out later they were there to see me. You know, the Canadian, <laughs> the, the white barrel. guy, Canadian, oh, yes. <laughs> riding across on the raft. Local entertainment for the day. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> but that was my experience of getting into Takaba, which is where our ADRA office is located. Mm -hmm. And as, as I was wading through that water, I thought, you know, Anita... Yes. shouldn't have to do this. Yes, and I that's remember, when I sent the message. I remember you sent a message, very <laughs> yeah. kind, yeah, that Anita shouldn't, yeah, walk through, since it was waist deep, right? Yeah, yeah very unsafe. But it's the interesting in, part was, I think that just made us want to go even more. Yes, we said, yeah. <laughs> yes. Frank can't have all the fun, right? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. When, we, when we arrived, thankfully, the river had receded some, so rather than having to wade through 500 meters of waist deep water, it was only up to our ankles for a lot of it and then up to our knees. It only got waist deep when we had to jump onto the raft. It was the same raft, but as I got there and looking at it from my engineering perspective, I'm looking and seeing a raft with a rope tied to the end of the raft to what I thought was a fairly small tree on one side and then going all the way across the river tied to another tree on the other side. When we started, we started going out. And this wasn't a slow-flowing river, was it, Frank? No. no. <laughs> this it thing was, was moving swift. pretty quick. Yeah. And so we started to go out, and it was like a, almost like a slingshot effect. 
where you go and it the the river took the raft until it brought up into the rope and then they would pull it back over yeah. so that was that was our, our experience to it get was across. very smart they had it roped up oh and, yeah uh, if it hadn't mm-hmm. been people would have been downstream oh, very quickly you'd have been swept oh. away quite quickly yeah yeah but it was it was certainly an interesting experience to get across there but uh, I'm glad we went mm-hmm. because what we saw after made it so much more worthwhile. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we have another special guest here on the table with us today. <laughs> this is my son Noah, who is—he's not quite two years old yet and uh, still quite attached to mommy. So thank you for your <laughs> understanding and patience. So I just—I wanted to back up a little bit just to recap the work that we're doing there. So it's a place of extremes where there there are months or even years of drought. So what Adra started off doing was f- emergency food distributions, and then that transitioned into teaching them how to grow their own vegetables and preserve household water, which then grew into teaching them how to preserve water for their cattle mm-hmm. and to fence off pasture land Mm -hmm. so that they could grow fodder to feed Mm -hmm. their cattle through the dry seasons. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Correct. Okay. And all of that was not things that they were doing before. Those are things that they learned through the Adra project. Yes. So it does sound like it's been quite the successful project. Mm -hmm. I would say that traditionally they came from a very nomadic culture, right? Yes. Didn't they even have roots back in Somalia? Yes. The, The people that live there in Kenya now? Exactly. Come from the nomadic people of Somalia. Exactly, yes. So for nomadic tribes, you just move from one area to another, wherever, wherever there is pasture. rain and pasture for yeah. the animals. Yeah. yeah. So in addition to the things that you mentioned, Heather, is also uh, teaching them how to preserve the vegetables mm-hmm. as well as use the products from the animals. They, they sell the milk, mm-hmm. they make uh, cheese, there's also honey. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are things that are being sold mm-hmm. to increase the household income, selling mm-hmm. of vegetables as well. Mm-hmm. What I found interesting yeah. about the honey was mm-hmm. that the honeybees were being farmed by the sons of the people that own the land. Mm-hmm. So it was the, these young men who basically they told us it was on their mother's land. And they, they found trees that were really good for, for setting up a, their honeybee farm. And now they're, they're making a source of income mm-hmm as well so mm-hmm. it's not only the parents that are benefiting but now their uh, their sons who are you know young fellows in their probably early to mid 20s mm-hmm. who are now you know, earning income as well for themselves and mm-hmm. and they they take that and they they sell it so they can sell it to nairobi oh, or different wow. markets around mm-hmm. so it's uh, it's really neat to to be able to see that as well we got to visit that while we were there and now those young men so. don't have to migrate they they have a business of their own yeah. that keeps and them there that's amazing can stay together yeah. so this is regenerated land Mm-hmm. Yeah, the farms are on regenerated land. Mm-hmm. So what's uh, what's one measure of just how successful this project is? Is there any one measurement that stands out to you that mm-hmm. demonstrates its success? I have a non-empirical. I don't know yes. if you have something that you'd like yeah. to share first. You go first. Well, yeah. when we were there, so this is mm-hmm. a a Muslim community. Mm-hmm. So the, the entire area is, is almost entirely Muslim. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we met with the, the community leaders, some, some of the local municipal officials and, and elders in the community. And they said, when we first heard that there was a Christian organization coming into our community, our, mm. our first instinct was to say no. Mm. We don't want Christians coming in here. Mm-hmm. But when they found out that we were humanitarian and, and that we, we weren't coming in to proselytize, 
they said, okay, let's let's give them a try. Very cautiously. Very mm-hmm. cautiously. Yes. Mm-hmm. And and it, it really was. They said, you know, let's give them, it literally was give them a try. A mm-hmm. try. And if we don't want them here, we're going to send them back. And, mm-hmm. yeah. and now, after being there for, for a number of years, they said, we don't want you to leave. Yes. Mm-hmm. So they, you know, we've become a part of their community mm-hmm. and, and they really appreciate our presence there to the point that, Whenever you're traveling to that area, there are some safety concerns. Mm-hmm. We're very close to Somalia. We're very close to the Ethiopian borders, and and it's an area where um, where Al Shabaab has has been active in the past. Mm-hmm. And they told us, "You're safe here." Wow. So yeah. We and they they took it upon themselves. They said, "You know, we're going to protect you." Wow. They gave us our own security detail to to travel around with us. Mm-hmm. Nothing is happening to you. One um, thing that stands out for me that is a big success is um, this community has never had a bank Mm -hmm. ever. They don't know what a bank is, right? Yeah. Yeah. But because of the small groups of women and men that are now having a source of income Mm -hmm. and have been trained on savings and and, uh, business keeping mm-hmm. Kenya Commercial Bank has agreed to come and start the first branch in this whole region. Wow. Mm-hmm. They are so excited. Yeah. It is such a success story. Mm. The thing that I noticed that uh, I think spoke to me of uh, their great appreciation of Adra was how hospitable they were. Oh yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Very yes. hospitable. I mean, I know it's a hospitable culture yeah. to start with, mm-hmm. but they were so glad that we had come from Canada yes. to visit their community. Mm-hmm. In fact, when I went to interview one lady, she had a goat tied up in her kitchen ready to give to me yes. as a gift. <laughs> and this is a huge thing for them because yes. a goat is what you sell when your child is sick. Wow. This is your money. This wow. is your bank. That's right. So that's and a big gift. So I said, I, I, I'm sorry, I just can't take that. Uh, really? Thank you for offering. I'm vegetarian. And she, yeah. <laughs> but she said, okay, well, at least let me give you a chicken. Yes. And so she gave me a chicken. And we ate and that chicken when we came. I think well, you, you I guys had it. Yeah. <laughs> so that was my impression that they were mm-hmm. just so hosp- so thankful for what Adra had done in the mm-hmm. community. But, you know, it, it's interesting when you're working in a place that has a, a different culture mm-hmm. as well. And... That's one thing that I really valued about my role in Adra is getting to meet different people with different cultures. So we go and they had a, a, a gift for each of us as we were leaving. So mm-hmm. I was given a um, cashmere shawl, mm. very, very nice. Mm-hmm. And when they passed it over to me, um, they had a gift for my wife. Oh, that's so mm-hmm. sweet. Yeah, so I thought it was yeah. very nice. Yeah. And the lady that was, was giving me the, the, the dress for my wife she said, this is for your wife. And she asked me how many wives I had. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought that was quite interesting. I said, just one. Yes. She said, really, just one? I said, yeah, just one. Yeah. <laughs> so it was, uh, that was an interesting uh, perspective. I told my wife that after, and she thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. I think one other thing that we should mention is how the influence of ADRA has had a very positive impact for women. Mm-hmm. in the community. Yes. It was a very patriarchal culture. Uh, you might remember uh, how back in the Bible days, if a man wanted to divorce his wife, all he had to do is say, I divorce you, I divorce you, I divorce you. Yes. I thought that was just still back in Bible times. 
but it they said that that happened right there yeah. in mm-hmm. Mandera West. Yes. Yeah. And so the women have been suppressed. And it's only as a result of ADRA coming into the community that the women are now rising up mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and being able to take hold of the civil rights that they have yes. as a Kenyan citizen. Mm. Yes. Mm. And uh, so they're now able to do more to protect themselves and their daughters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The women uh, called me aside and asked for a, a, a brief meeting. They said we have very serious issues with gender-based violence, with uh, child protection. We need to know what to do. And it was a pleasure to tell them, to remind them that we have uh, a project that we, uh, we have submitted to the Canadian government that is on protection issues and empowering the woman and uh, uh, teaching them and showing them how to, the whole community, the, the husband, the wife, the children, how to avoid and prevent and mitigate gender-based violence. Mm. So by the grace of God, I pray we get this project. Mm. Yeah. So we began working with the Canadian Food Grains Bank as a partner when we did the food distributions and the kitchen gardens. Are they still a partner then with us in these projects we're doing yes, now? Yes, we still have a Canadian Food Grains Bank supported project right now. Mm-hmm. Yes. It was interesting for me to see the ladies with their burkas mm-hmm. And the Canadian Food Grains Bank logo okay. and yes. the ADRA logo on their burkas. Very was, nice. Yeah. yeah. is actually a, a really good, strong partner for ADRA Canada. Mm-hmm. The Canadian Food Grains Bank is made up of 15 different member houses that also sit on the board. So not only are they a partner, we're part of their board. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm a board member for, for CFGB. I'm also on the CFGB Executive Committee as well. Mm-hmm. It is a Christian response to hunger. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's why we've come together as different Christian denominations. Sometimes you know, we have different doctrines and that sort of thing within the Christian church, but we can all agree that we don't want to live in a world mm-hmm. where over 800 million people go to bed hungry every night. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that's why we come together as the Food Grains Bank, mm-hmm. is to try to combat that. Mm-hmm. How does it help Adra Canada to have these kinds of partnerships? So partnerships are very valuable to Adra Canada, and it's something that we've put a lot of focus on in trying to build good, solid partnerships. Sometimes what it allows us to do is put strengths together between us and another organization. So we may have a strength in one country, they may have a strength Mm -hmm. in another Mm -hmm. country, and then we can go together after a proposal where... We go in and, and ADRA focuses on the country we're strong in, and then the other, the partner, focuses on the country that they're strong in. Mm-hmm. And it gives us a stronger proposal when we go to the Canadian government to say, hey, we're, we're working together. The other thing is that the Canadian government has really been trying to promote partnerships mm-hmm. and, and trying to get mm-hmm. get different, uh, different organizations in the humanitarian sector to work together, humanitarian and the development sectors. So we do try to partner in, in that sense. Uh, the other thing is sometimes it's uh, there may be a partner that doesn't have a lot of their own implementation capacity, mm-hmm. but they have funds that have come in from from their constituency. Restricted for. Re- restricted for a certain mm-hmm. project, yeah. Sometimes it's restricted for a certain area, but they're not working in that area. Mm-hmm. So a natural disaster happens, and someone wants to donate to this hurricane response, for example. 
but they don't have any capacity in that country, but we do. Mm-hmm. They'll then say, well, why don't you take the funds that we've raised and and use it as part of your project? So it still goes to meet the end goal. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. just being it's being completed through us. And we've we've done the opposite. We have had opportunities. Uh, we had one recently where we had some funds that were donated to a specific response that the Adger network itself wasn't responding to uh, to uh, to an extent where we'd be able to use those funds, we gave it to one of our partners, mm-hmm. and and they were able to use it. So it's a it's a give and take, but it does overall help with a, a strengthened response in mm-hmm. in many different venues around the world that we mm-hmm. work in. Mm-hmm. Was there any other place that you visited while you were in Kenya? Yeah, on on our way back from Kisi, driving back to Nairobi, we passed through the Maasai Mara mm-hmm. area, and. We passed through there on the Sabbath. We were able to visit some some wildlife, yeah, and so I think Frank was uh, really in his glory to <laughs> to be able to be there and, and get some some nice shots along yes. the way. Yes, we had a wonderful time. We were given a special invitation by an Adventist family mm-hmm. that have a lodge there in Masai Mara, mm-hmm. and uh, I always love filming the animals, and they had connections. They, we, we were able to get into a nice safari vehicle mm-hmm. and spend a wonderful Sabbath day yes. out in Masai Mara. So I thought today that this would be a perfect blanket mm-hmm. to put on our table. This is a Maasai, uh, typical Maasai blanket. Yes, mm-hmm. And this um, blanket is red. It's red to signify fire because mm-hmm. this is what the Maasai wear uh, as, a, as a blanket, but as also the outfit. It, it can turn into a short when you're wearing it, a scarf. Um, they use it in the day, in the night. But because it's red, the animals think it's fire, which ah. helps them to protect them against the, the animals ah. since they live in the wild. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's such... Um, it's everything. It's everything. It's a bed sheet. It's a short. It's a skirt. It's a dress. It's a scarf. Very mm-hmm. beautiful. Now I'm trying to remember. Did we see all of the big five? What did we see? The 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 big five one that was further Is away the rhino. was the rhino. Yeah. So we saw the rhino off in a distance. He was a bit yeah, that big. Yeah. But uh, all the rest, I think we saw. Yeah. yeah so we yeah. get to see. We, we got chased by some elephants. He was a little angry that we had... Uh, had interrupted, interrupted his morning his routine. <laughs> yes. yes. Uh, we saw some lions. Mm. They didn't really seem very interested in us whatsoever, yeah. which was mm-hmm. fine by me. Yeah. We got very close to... Was it a leopard or cheetah? Yeah, those the, two there. The cheetahs. I think the cheetah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Two of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the other big Lots five is zebras, the, the um, giraffe, right? Giraffe, yes. Yeah. And they were quite plentiful. Yeah. And the wildebeest was yeah, also... A lot of hippopotamus. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Crocodiles. It was a nice ending mm. to our, our trip to Kenya. Yes. Yes. I really liked it. Yeah, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, I'm thrilled to hear all that Adra has done in Kenya and is continuing to do and wants to do in mm. Kenya. So thank you very much for joining us today on this podcast and sharing thank with you. us. And then when we left from the Maasai. <laughs> yes. We went to the airport and flew to Rwanda. So if anybody wants to find out how a Rwanda trip was, mm-hmm. they'll have to tune into Stay the next tuned. one. The next episode. Yes. 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 Perfect. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank mm-hmm. you so much for joining us today. We'd like to invite you to go to adra.ca to see 
um, any photos of this podcast that you would like to see. We also are available as an audio podcast through any of the places you like to go to get your podcasts. And then we're also going to be putting this up on YouTube and Vimeo. So you just simply need to go to YouTube or Vimeo and type Adra Insider. Adra, Adra Insider or Adra just Insider. Adra Canada. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. And you'll find us there. And mm-hmm. Please share us with people that you think would be interested to hear our stories and our work. And we appreciate you spending this time with us. Thank you. Thank you.